0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Summons from Gallifrey Podcast. I'm your host Eric Izwa, and this is a podcast focused on Doctor Who. Hopefully you would have been able to guess. Anyways, I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me today. We'll be looking at the War Games Part 1. Because there are 10 episodes in the War Games, I thought that it would be best to just divide this up into two podcast episodes of covering the first five and then the last five. If you have any feedback that you want to send me, please send it to mailbag at summonsfromgallifrey.com. And I'll be sure to go through everything when I go through the feedback episodes. If you hadn't already, please leave a review on Apple podcasts. It really helps the algorithm pick up the show and spread it across the network. All right. Let's get into some behind the scenes. So by late summer of 1968, Patrick Troughton had made the decision to leave Doctor Who after season 6. By November, the production team also knew that Fraser Hines, who played the companion Jamie, would be leaving as well. If this is your first time watching this era, Jamie McCrimmon is a young Scottish Highlander that the Doctor picked up in 18th century Scotland. Jamie's character takes a common-sense approach to most problems, and he embraces a lot of action. The team really tried to convince Wendy Padbury, who played the companion Zoe, to stay into Season 7, as they would be moving into color, among some other story reasons. If you're new to Zoe, Zoe Harriet is an astrophysicist that the Doctor picks up in the 21st century while battling the Cybermen. Her character is not so strongly defined, but I can kind of describe it as a Vulcan character from Star Trek. She's very, she's highly intelligent and approaches everything with a bit of a cold logic. There were a few problems with the existing stories that were in consideration. And so by mid-November-ish of 1968, the production team decided to combine the last two stories into one giant 10-part serial. The show hadn't attempted anything as large, apart from the Daleks' master plan during William Hartnell's era, which was a 12-part story. They assigned Malcolm Hulk and Terrence Dix this mammoth task, with production to begin on the story in less than three months' time. Terence Dix was a script editor during both the Patrick Troughton and John Purby years of Doctor Who, and he wrote many of the target novelizations of the show. He had started with the program in 1968, and then got tagged to pair up with Malcolm Hulk on the War Games. Malcolm Hulk himself was a longtime contributor of stories to Doctor Who, going as far back as the William Hartnell years of the show. He and Terrence both created the concept of the Time Lords, and offered viewers the first taste of their home planet of Gallifrey. By early 1969, Wendy Padbury finally made the decision to leave the show as well by the end of Season 6 at the conclusion of the War Games. Despite the extremely short time frame to finish writing the War Games, there was very little in terms of changes that actually needed to be made to the script. Dixon Hulk worked closely with the director assigned to the story, David Maloney, who had experience with other Doctor Who stories in the Patrick Troughton era already. Maloney was the one who came up with this Jedi mind trick sequence that is used when someone is being hypnotized. I'll mention it when we get to those bits in the show. While there was a lot of location shooting, studio recording for the War Games began on April 11, 1969. Four days before the broadcast of the final episode 10 of the War Games, the BBC announced that the third Doctor would be played by John Pertwee and the next season wouldn't begin until January 1970 in full color. So this was the end of a few eras, which are all culminating at the same time. This is the final story of season six. This was the final story produced in the 1960s. This was the final story produced in monochrome. This was the final story of Patrick Troughton. This was the final story of both companions, Jamie McCrimmon and Zoe Harriet. So kind of a a perfect storm of everything in one. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get into the synopsis. Let's start at episode one. The episode starts with the camera panning over a dead battlefield and wasteland. The TARDIS materializes, and a laughing doctor with Jamie and Zoe step out into mud puddles. They don't even know where they are. Zoe makes a guess that they're on Earth, but they're not sure. They spot a path up a hill and they make their way up when they come across some barbed wire. With a grimace, the doctor notices a World War I helmet lying on the ground. As they're examining it, they start to hear whistles of incoming rockets and the three take cover in a nearby ditch as some bombs start hitting near them. After a a moment, the rockets subside and a woman pulls up in an ambulance which is like an old-timey convoy truck, that's what it looked like, and checks to see how they're doing. She begins to invite them along with her when suddenly two soldiers in gas masks appear. With a hint the Germans take everyone prisoner and lead them into the truck. After a short while later, on their way down the road, a British lieutenant and soldier run towards them and take the German soldier's prisoner. Then everyone piles into the back of the ambulance. It's starting to look like a clown car. They continue towards the nearest British HQ. After making it there, the lieutenant introduces himself as Carstairs to Major Barrington, who is shocked to hear that they have brought in three civilians from No Man's Land. Meanwhile, the doctor, Jamie and Zoe, are sitting in a nearby trench trying to get their bearings. The doctor explains to them about the concept of trench warfare, and how they've landed right in the middle of one of the worst wars in human history. Zoe's worried that they won't be able to get back to the TARDIS, so the doctor carefully peers over the top of the trench. Machine gun fire from the Germans causes them to duck back down. A soldier comes by to take the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe, and the ambulance driver to see the major. We see the Major hanging up the phone after getting an order from General Smythe of the scheduled push happening the next day. Carstairs is resting nearby, and the two of them make a few comments that they can't remember how long they've been there or how long they've been fighting in this war. They both seem to have memory issues. The doctor, Jamie, and Zoe are led in with the Jennifer Buckingham, who is the ambulance driver. While questioning the three of them, the doctor tries to ask permission from the major for them to leave. The major is sort of is about to agree, but then becomes suspicious of them when the soldier who brought them in reveals that the doctor was trying to head towards the German trench, which is where the TARDIS was, of course. So Barrington places a call to General Smythe. Smythe is sitting in a lovely French chateau, takes the call from the trench, and agrees to question the three civilians himself. He mentions to his aide that he's going to rest for half an hour until the civilians get there. He goes into his bedroom. We then get some mysterious music. The general removes a painting along the wall which reveals a computer, which is basically just a keypad and then a screen. He identifies himself as Smythe 1917 Sector and asks for reinforcement of 5,000 specimens. Back at the trench, the doctor is begging Major Barrington to let them go, as they're just innocent civilians caught up in this. But Barrington refuses, as they might possibly be spies, but he doesn't really sound too convinced of that himself. A convoy truck shows up, and the three are taken back to the chateau. Major Barrington exits the room to look after the ambulance, while Buckingham and Carstairs have a short conversation about the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe. They're not too sure of their guilt, and Carstairs doesn't envy them if they do turn out to be spies, as General Smythe has the nickname Butcher among Carrington's regiment. The doctor, Jamie, and Zoe arrive at Smythe's office, and they wait for the general. The aide, whose name is Ransom, opens Smythe's bedroom door but discovers the room is empty. He's confused, but then orders the trio escorted to the prison cells while they wait for the general. Back at the trench, Carstairs and Buckingham are sharing some coffee and mentioning to each other that they can't remember silly things, such as how long they've been there or even where Buckingham's hospital actually is. The phone rings and Barrington enters the room to pick it up. The General's aide wants all three of them to report to General Smythe to help deal with the doctor Jamie and Zoe. In the General's office, Smythe comes out of his room looking for reports from his aide. Ransom hands him some papers and mentions the arrival of Dr. Jamie and Zoe. He also starts to mention that he looked into the room to find the General but didn't see him. The General puts on his glasses, and here's where we get the Jedi mind trick. And he Jedi Jedi mind tricks Ransom into believing that the General was asleep. Just then, Carstairs, Buckingham, and Barrington enter the room to report to the General. Barrington looks at Ransom as if he knows him, but his memory starts to fade. The General puts on his glasses again, and Jada mind-tricks Barrington to recall that he and Ransom went to school together. The General then continues to question these three on what they know about the Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe, writing down all the details. A while later the TARDIS crew are led into the office. The three of them greet a stone-faced Barrington and Carstairs. The General informs them that they are holding a court-martial, as the entire area is under martial law. The General starts to read back statements made by Carstairs in Buckingham, but the story has been twisted to make it look like the Doctor, Jamie and Zoe are German spies. Jamie is being charged with deserting his Highland Regiment, and the Doctor and Zoe are charged with espionage. The penalty for all three of these is death. The general agrees to the doctor's request of being able to question the witnesses, but soon he finds his questions just being shot down by the general. A frustrated doctor and his companions are led a few paces away while the general, Barrington and Ransom debate their guilt. Barrington and Ransom clearly want to let them go, but the general puts on his glasses and we hear the Jedi Mind Trick music and he makes them both agree that all three of them are guilty. The deliberations were quick. The TARDIS crew are led back to the General's desk, while well, more like marched. He informs them that they've all been found guilty as charged. Jamie will be held to face a regimental tribunal court for his desertion. Zoe is sentenced to 10 years of labor, and the doctor is sentenced to death, to be carried out at dawn. Jamie is led away along with the doctor. Zoe is left to stay with Buckingham, who doesn't want her to stay in the prison all night. Later that night, the general goes to sleep with the keys to the doctor's cell under his pillow. Zoe is sleeping in Smythe's outer office along with Lady Buckingham. Zoe wakes up and sneaks into Smythe's bedroom, where his bed is empty. She pokes around the room and comes across the painting, which she opens to reveal the computer. She then replaces the painting carefully and continues searching the room. Eventually, she finds the keys under Smythe's pillow and grabs them, running out of the room. The doctor is pacing down in his prison cell when he hears Zoe using the keys to unlock the door. But just before they run out to find Jamie, Ransom and some soldiers are waiting for him at the door. It's dawn, and a struggling Zoe and the doctor are led out to a courtyard. The doctor is tied to a pole, while Zoe is restrained. Ransom lines up some soldiers and shouts out, Ready! Aim! There's a gunshot, and the doctor flinches. Cliffhanger! You know, I really need a sound effect for cliffhanger. Saying cliffhanger all the time, I don't know. I think I could do better. Hopefully cut to me putting in a sound effect. Episode 2 We come back to the courtyard. The gunshot rings out. The doctor flinches, but then realizes that he's fine. One of the soldiers in the firing squad falls over. There's a sniper in a nearby window. Another gunshot, and the sniper takes out another soldier in the firing squad. In the confusion... Zoe frees the doctor, and the two run off in an opposite direction. Back in Smy's office, the general is talking to the computer and agreeing to leave for a conference. He replaces the painting, and at the opposite side of the room, a black-colored rectangular pod materializes. Picture like a black closet. A door panel slides out, and just as the general is about to enter, Ransom bursts into the room to report the sniper. He's instantly confused as to what's going on. And so you guessed it. The general pulls out his glasses. We hear the Jedi mind trick music and he does it to Ransom again. The general enters the pod and it dematerializes. After a few moments Ransom leaves the room remembering that the general has left for a meeting. Of course he has. Meanwhile, in Jamie's cell, he's shouting at the guards to demand some breakfast, when suddenly they bring in a British redcoat soldier into Jamie's cell. He looks confused and completely bewildered, but snaps out of it when he sees that Jamie is a Highlander. There could only be one. But Jamie manages to calm him down and asks him what year he thinks it is. It's 1745, according to the redcoat which doesn't make any sense to Jamie. Outside, the doctor and Zoe are overlooking the military prison where Jamie is being kept. They spot a lot of guards, but they don't have a plan yet. Then they notice an empty military car driving down the road towards the prison. The doctor flags down the driver. He badgers the driver into thinking that he's supposed to be driving the doctor and Zoe, and that the driver had missed the pickup. They climb into the back seat before the driver can say anything, and the car continues towards the prison. Back in the cell, Jamie is trying to find out exactly how the red coat got there. He says he got separated from his unit and then wandered through a mist, and then he found himself there. Jamie starts to think of a plan for the two of them to escape to look for the doctor. Meanwhile, the prison warden is enjoying a nice cup of tea when suddenly the doctor and Zoe burst into the room. The doctor is pretending to be the examiner from the war office with Zoe as his secretary. And just as an aside, I find this interesting because it's neat that the first story of Patrick Troughton and now the last story of Patrick Troughton both have him taking on a disguise of being an examiner. I thought that was kind of an interesting parallel. He manages to bluster enough to convince the warden that he's there to examine the prison security. Back in Smythe's office, Ransom meets with Carstairs and Buckingham. Ransom wants to find the escaped prisoners right away, and leaves ordering Carstairs to follow him. Carstairs and Buckingham secretly hope that the TARDIS crew have escaped, as they don't think they're they're guilty. Back in Jamie's prison cell, Jamie and the Redcoat are in a fight, of course, with the Redcoat trying to wrestle a chair leg out of Jamie's hands. The idiot guards come in to break them up, upon which the two of them turn on the guards and knock them both out. I mean, you could have seen this a mile away. But it works. Back in Smythe's office, a tired car stares returns to Buckingham. He says he hasn't found anything, and Buckingham has been phoning around with no results either. She then starts to observe how strange the military tribunal was. She continues to say that some of her memory has returned. She remembers driving towards her hospital, then encountering some mist, and suddenly finding herself at a field hospital helping soldiers. Carstairs starts to take her seriously, and then makes a suggestion that perhaps the Germans are using a new kind of poison gas. Back in the warden's office, he's walking through some plans with the doctor when he suddenly gets a phone call about Jamie and the redcoat escaping. He's starting to sweat of course because it's during the examination by the doctor. Jamie and the redcoat are trying to get out of the complex when they run into some guards. The guards open fire and the redcoat is shot in the leg. Jamie is recaptured. The doctor demands the Highlander be brought to the office so he can question him. Jamie spots the doctor but before he can make any comment, the doctor starts shouting some questions at him. Eventually, he tells the warden it'll all be in his report to the general, at which point the warden finally calls the doctor's bluff. He heads to the phone himself to contact General Smythe. Jamie and the doctor start looking at each other worried, but Zoe, who's behind the warden, grabs a nearby flower vase and hits him over the head. He slumps over. But just as the three make it to the door, in walks Ransom with a bunch of soldiers. Can we give you a lift? It's a pretty good line. Back at Smythe's office, Buckingham is still pressing Carstairs about their memories and the fact that the general really had it in for the doctor. Ransom walks in laughing about recapturing the doctor, Jamie and Zoe, to a shocked Carstairs and Buckingham. Ransom starts to talk about shooting the doctor again due to his military sentence when Buckingham nods to Carstairs, who talks to Ransom about the court-martial, trying to make him see that it was a pretty mysterious court-martial. But Ransom brushes off Carstairs' concerns, calling the trial completely fair and leaves the room. Buckingham points out to Carstairs that Ransom has no memory of what happened to the court-martial, that he honestly believes that the doctor had a fair trial. Carstairs leaves to visit the TARDIS crew in the prison. Meanwhile in the prison, Jamie has told the doctor about the red coat, and Zoe has told them about the communications computer behind the painting in Samai's bedroom. Carstairs then arrives to talk to the three of them. Upstairs, Buckingham is trying to distract Ransom from going down to check on the prisoners. They start talking about the bureaucracy of running this war effort which completely distracts Ransom, and he forgets all about the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe. Back in the prison, Zoe is trying to explain what the communications computer is to Carstairs. They desperately want to go back and show him. He finally agrees to the request. Meanwhile, as Buckingham and Ransom are talking, the phone rings. She picks it up and can tell that it's Carstairs on the line. He tells her to get rid of Buckingham. She hangs up before Ransom can take the phone from her, and tells him that the General wants Ransom to join him at Command Post 17, which happens to be the the Command Post that's furthest away. As Ransom is driving away, Carstairs enters the room with the Doctor, Jamie, and Zoe. Without wasting any time, they head right into the General's room. They yank open the panel behind the painting to reveal a communications device. But at first, Carstairs or Buckingham can't see anything, just a blank wall. After some urging from the doctor and Zoe, they concentrate on it and finally see it. Zoe explains it's like a phone but with a screen to see the other person. How futuristic. It's like a primitive zoom. At the other end, the general is watching him through the screen where he sees the doctor turn off the device. The doctor urges everyone that they must get out of there quickly as they've now been seen by whoever's on the other end. Buckingham leaves to grab the ambulance while Carstairs grabs some maps from the office. Then they head down with the doctor, Jamie, and Zoe. The three of them hide themselves in the back of the ambulance while Carstairs and Buckingham sit up front. The ambulance starts driving away. Back in the general's bedroom, the pod starts to materialize again. The same door slides open and Smythe walks out giving a little smirk when he sees the slightly open panel behind the painting. He confronts Ransom, who is starting to see that he's been tricked by Carstairs and Buckingham. They find out where the ambulance is heading, and the general orders an artillery strike. At first Ransom refuses, but then the general puts on his glasses, and we know what that means. So the general orders a creeping barrage on the road. The ambulance is under heavy fire with explosions all around them. Carstairs is surprised the Germans would be firing at them, but the doctors convinced that it's General Smythe. They keep going, and suddenly they're surrounded by a mist. Buckingham finds she can't drive onwards, so her and the doctor switch places. He keeps driving, and they exit the mist. They find themselves on a dirt path in the countryside with no evidence of no man's land around them. They hit the brakes, and they all climb out. The doctor, Jamie, and Zoe climb a nearby hill to get a better view. Zoe suddenly spots an oncoming Roman chariot with soldiers in full armor running towards them, waving their swords and shouting. They scramble down the hill back to the ambulance and all clamber in. Carstairs is trying to wind the ambulance to get it started again. Meanwhile, the Romans are getting closer and closer. Cliffhanger, Episode 3 Carstairs keeps winding the starter for the ambulance. The Romans are getting closer. The screaming Romans are getting closer, I should say. Finally, the ambulance starts back up. They back up slowly into the mist and disappear just as the Romans show up with their mouths all hanging open. It's a pretty great shot. The ambulance returns to the World War I area. The group huddled together in the back over the map that Carstairs has from the general's office. The doctor explains that they're moving around in time. First they were in 1917, and then they were in some Roman war era. With this mist acting as a barrier between the time zones. What they really need is a map that spans all the different time zones, which means heading back to Smy's office. Ransom is still phoning different command posts for any word of the prisoners or the ambulance when Carstairs enters the room with the Doctor and Jamie at gunpoint, trying to pull the hand Solo and Chewbacca in the Death Star trick. Ransom isn't buying it this time, so Carstairs quickly points the gun at him. They tie up and gag Ransom while they look around for the time zone map. They get back into Smy's bedroom. The only thing obvious in the room is a safe. The doctor tells Carstairs to find an explosive they can use. He comes back with a grenade, and the doctor takes it apart to pull out the explosive powder. He stuffs what he can into the lock in the safe, and then he finds a long fuse. Meanwhile just outside the room, Ransom is broken free long enough to shout for help. Carstairs reapplies his gag, but then moments later another soldier turns up, escorting Buckingham and Zoe into the room. The new soldier wants to hand over the ladies personally to Ransom but Carstairs finally convinces him to leave. One of those moments where the doctor and Jamie are watching the lit fuse move slowly towards the explosive while listening outside to the conversation, mentally urging the soldiers to just shut up and leave before the explosion, basically. But time runs out, the explosive goes off, opening up the safe. The soldier runs back into the bedroom to check it out, only to see Carstairs turn a gun on him as well. They escort him out, and they tie him up next to Ransom. Meanwhile, the doctor finds the golden ticket map in the safe. The doctor spreads out the map and points out the 1917 zone, the Roman zone and the American Civil War zone. Zoe observes that the middle of the map is completely blank. So the doctor makes the assumption that that's where they need to head to. Cut to the outside, where the group are all in the ambulance again. But this time as they're driving, they get surrounded by Germans, who want to escort them back to their HQ. At the German HQ, Zoe and Jamie are prisoners, while the Doctor is being questioned by the German Lieutenant. He demands a full name from the Doctor, so he uses Dr. John Smith. And just as an aside, it's a little bit of a joke which I didn't notice before, but Dr. John Smith is the same name that John Pertwee will use in his first episode that we'll cover in Spearhead from Space. I just thought that was a neat, a neat twist. Under the threat of being shot, the doctor spills the beans on how they all got there. And I mean everything. He tells them that they're, they came from a time machine, Zoe is from the future, and Jamie is from the past. The German lieutenant thinks he's crazy and pulls in Zoe and Jamie who confirm the exact same story. The lieutenant thinks they're all nuts. The doctor pulls out his sonic screwdriver, which looks just pretty much like this pen, except they have a little light on the end of it. And he uses it to unscrew the bolt in the butt of the lieutenant's handgun. So he uses it to unscrew the screw and then to screw it back in, all without touching it. He just holds the screwdriver down. Just as he's about to believe the doctor, Captain Von Weich comes into the room. Picture a stereotypical bald German soldier dude, Kind of like that German guy who fought Indiana Jones in front of the propeller in Raiders of the Last Ark. Only except a little shorter. And he had a long scar down the side of his face. Of course. Just like all Germans do, right? Eye roll. Anyway. The lieutenant starts talking about the TARDIS to the captain, who then pulls him into another room. The Jedi mind trick music comes on, and the German captain pulls out a monocle. Of course it's a monocle and he uses it to stare at the lieutenant. He convinces the the lieutenant that they are English spies and must be shot. The lieutenant agrees and returns to the room with the doctor, Jamie and Zoe. He tells them that they are spies and they must be shot. Meanwhile, von Weich pulls aside a painting of his own in the other room to reveal a communications device similar to the one that Smythe was using. He identifies himself as von Weich from the 1917 German front line, to central control. He then reports that they have captured three people from the British side who claim to be time travelers. Meanwhile back in the other room the crew are trying to reconvince the lieutenant that they are not spies. Jamie reminds him about the sonic screwdriver and urges the doctor to do the same trick again. The lieutenant slowly remembers about the screwdriver that worked without touching the screw. The doctor shows him again how they were able to remove the screw and put it back into the butt of his handgun using the sonic screwdriver. While the lieutenant's head is spinning about this, the doctor throws the handgun over to Jamie, who uses it to cover the lieutenant. We now cut to a control room, a pretty flat control room, likely in the middle of the map that the doctor found. I don't know at this point yet, but I'm betting that that's where it is. Lots of computers everywhere, but it's a pretty bland Room. It's basically just a flat gray room with computers. General Smythe is studying some maps when a visitor walks in, the war chief. Smythe informs him that the three prisoners who escaped from his camp have been recaptured in the German camp. Suddenly von Weich's face comes on a monitor and he tells him that the prisoners have escaped. The war chief, who rocks these sideburns by the way, I should find a picture if I can, wants the time travelers captured but not harmed. General Smythe sends out a general alert to all time zones to be on the lookout for these escaped time travelers. For the first time ever, and I do mean ever, we hear a voiceover from Mr. Sideburns who wonders who these time travelers are. It's pretty weird. This is seriously the only voiceover from a character I've ever heard in Doctor Who. The ambulance appears on another road and stops while Carstairs climbs into the back to look at the doctor's map. He calculates that they're in the American Civil War zone of 1862. Zoe points out that it's another war. A Confederate soldier hiding in a nearby brush starts firing at the ambulance, so Carstairs jumps out and they start driving off again. The doctor confirms the shooter is from that time period, which means they're getting closer to the middle of the map. The ambulance is making its way down the road when a suspicious tree falls over in front of them blocking their path. It's obviously an ambush. Carstairs pulls out his gun and calls out Jamie and and the doctor to move the tree while he covers them. It's definitely an ambush as some Civil War dudes start firing at them with revolvers and rifles. Carstairs takes them out one by one with his gun. He's like a Terminator sniper. It's a pretty neat scene. Definitely lots of action. More dudes show up. Carstairs takes them out one by one. Jamie and the doctor pull the tree away, and then Jamie pounces on another dude who gets too close, and he punches him out. Carstairs gets bored of shooting them with his revolver, so when when one dude rushes him, he takes him hand to hand. Another dude comes up on a horse, and Carstairs just shoots him down. More horsemen show up, and Carstairs yells at Buckingham to drive on while he covers them. I mean, he doesn't need help at all. He's pretty much a one man army here. The ambulance escapes, leaving Carstairs getting pinned down, but I'm not too worried. Eventually, the ambulance pulls over again. It's out of gas. So the doctor, Jamie, Zoe, and Buckingham leave on foot. Back in the control room, General Smythe and Von Weich are discussing their battle strategies of their forces against each other when Mr. Sideburns comes in with a report that they've captured the human lieutenant, a.k.a. Carstairs. They make an observation of how loyal Carstairs is, to stay behind while helping the ambulance to escape. They admire the specimen, but plan to reprocess him when he gets there. Meanwhile, Jamie finds a barn and motions for the other three to join him. They're worried about Carstairs, but they agree to rest, then continue towards the middle of the map the next day. Suddenly, the materialization sound kicks in, and the doctor gets everyone to hide, while another one of the black rectangular pods materializes right in the middle of the barn. A bunch of reinforcement Civil War soldiers come out. After the last of them leave the barn, the doctor goes into the door of the pod to check it out. Zoe follows him. Jamie stays with Buckingham to pull her away from the barn door, but turns around to see the pod dematerializing again. Cliffhanger! Oh, yeah. Episode four. We're cruising right along, folks. As the black pod dematerializes, some revolutionary soldiers burst in, surrounding Jamie and Buckingham. I believe they're Confederate soldiers. Meanwhile, inside the pod, Zoe and the doctor remark that it's just like the TARDIS, bigger on the inside than out. Zoe asks who else could have the same tech as the doctor, and he gives her a half answer but clearly his face is worried. As they explore a little further into the pod, the doctor and Zoe come across a room full of 1917 German soldiers, just standing motionless in some kind of hypnotic trance. They find another room which is full of Roman soldiers. Same idea, they're all motionless and in some kind of hypnotic trance. They suddenly feel the pod landing, and they duck into a side corridor just as the Roman soldiers exit the room and make their way out of the pod. Zoe is unsure what their next move is, but the Doctor wants to stay in the pod and hope that it eventually makes its way back to the main base, perhaps in the middle of the map. Back in the barn, the Civil War soldiers are questioning Jamie and Buckingham. Of course, as soon as they hear Buckingham's English accent, they assume they're both spies. They're tied up and made to wait for the General. Moments later, the barn is under attack by the rebels, and a gunfight ensues. In the chaos, Buckingham and Jamie have moved closer together to try and untie each other's bonds. The Yankee soldiers retreat a few moments later, leaving Buckingham and Jamie all to themselves. Just as they're about to free themselves and leave, some Confederate soldiers move in. But they, at first they're acting all nice and polite to Buckingham and Jamie. As soon as one of the soldiers reports to his captain, who is wearing glasses, he tells them that the two are spies and need to be tied up. The captain then turns around and he looks exactly like von Weich. Okay, he is von Weich, just in a Confederate soldier uniform. Back in the control room, Mr. Sideburns is trying to find out from a scientist why there's been an increase in resistance to their specimen programming. Apparently, a 5% are causing a lot of trouble. The scientist tells him there's going to be a demonstration shortly for the improved process, and without knowing, I'm willing to bet it's going to be on the captured car stairs. An alarm rings, and von Weich is reporting from the American Civil War Zone about the captured prisoners of the 1917 zone. Back in the pod, Zoe and the doctor feel the ship materializing again. The doctor assumes they'll be at the base since all the soldiers have been delivered. They materialize in the back of a control room into some kind of hangar and sneak out of the pod. They notice some guards wearing some headbands that Zoe had also picked up from inside the pod, so they both put them on to try and fit in while they start exploring. Back in the barn, Jamie and Buckingham are again tied up and waiting while the Confederate soldiers are on the other side of the barn playing cards. While the guards are busy, another dude, who we find out much later is named Harper, sneaks up behind Jamie and Buckingham. He motions for them to be quiet, and then he cuts their ropes. As they're sneaking out, they're spotted by the Confederates, who then pin down Harper, while Jamie and Buckingham get away. Von Weich demands that Harper tells them where Jamie and Buckingham are heading, but he refuses to answer. The captain even puts on his monocle, We hear the music, but it doesn't work this time. Von Weich deduces that he's actually from the resistance that Mr. Sideburns was talking about earlier. Harper begins to plead to the Confederates that they're all being used by Von Weich, but they're all clearly under the control of Mr. Monocle. Cut to the outside, Jamie is running around a field looking for Buckingham when he's attacked by a Confederate soldier on horseback. Jamie knocks him off and grabs the horse heading off to look for Buckingham. Back in the base, the doctor and Zoe are wandering around. They realize they're in some kind of training school. But training for what? While trying to look around innocently, they get herded into a lecture room with some other students. The person giving the lecture is the same scientist who was talking to Mr. Sideburns earlier. He's lecturing on the process they're testing out. An improvement being able to maintain a human soldier's fighting spirit while also moving them to the appropriate war zone without them realizing that they're not on Earth. The scientist then continues to explain that a small percentage of the specimens are able to resist the programming and move through the time barriers, gradually meeting up with other humans in the resistance, which is starting to impact their plans. He's boasting that he's improved the programming and has found a perfect specimen to test it on. The guards wheel out Carstairs, who's strapped to a chair. To prove his point, the scientist asks him to describe his surroundings. He describes the strange room, the strange people all wearing the same strange glasses. But he's staring right at the doctor, who's gesturing like crazy for him to not say anything. The scientist then puts a gadget around the head of Carstairs and flicks on the power, explaining that he's reprogramming him and soon he will be under the scientist's complete control. A few moments later, the process is completed. They stand Carstairs up, and he thinks the scientist is his general, giving him a salute and even standing to attention. The scientist tries to ask him about the machinery that's around the lab, but Carstairs can't see anything. The scientist then asks him about the audience, at which point Carstairs spots the doctor and Zoe and labels them as German spies. Back outside in the field, Buckingham is trying to run away from another Confederate soldier who's on horseback. She falls down, and just as the soldier is picking her up, Jamie comes from around the hill on his horse. He leaps off and punches the soldier out. Before he can go anywhere, though, they realize they're surrounded by a large group of Confederates. Back in the lab, Carstairs is being led away while yelling that those two are spies. He was at their court-martial. After he's gone, the doctor stands up and starts to question the scientist and the veracity of the experiment, since Carstairs thinks that he's a German spy. As the two are talking, the doctor eventually tricks the scientist into explaining how to switch around the circuits on the machine to deprocess humans completely. I'm sure it'll somehow become relevant later. Back in the barn we go with Buckingham and Jamie. They're led to the same spot they were tied up previously and they're sat down next to Harper. They start talking amongst each other, with Harper explaining that you move into different time zones each time you go through a mist. He ran into a bunch of the resistance group and joined them. Suddenly there's some shouting among the Confederate soldiers in the barn. They're under attack. A group of resistance fighters swarm the barn and eventually surround von Weich, killing everyone else. They plan to kill him, but then Jamie starts to argue to keep him alive. Back in the lecture room, the scientist finishes explaining to the doctor how to deprocess humans. He just finishes dismissing the class when an alarm bell rings out and mister Sideburns comes in with some guards. The war chief wants to know how the how the new processing treatment went. The war chief wants to know how the new processing treatment went. The scientist explains the slight hiccup but tells them that one of the students helped him out with the machine, and points to the doctor. The doctor and sideburns stare at each other for a few seconds until the doctor shouts for Zoe to run, and they split. They take off as the alarm bells start ringing again with the war chief calling for their capture. They pass Carstairs who gets up from his chair holding his head. He starts walking away in another direction. Cut a few moments later to a tired Zoe who's stumbling down a small ramp. She's by herself with no sign of the doctor or any guards. She's by herself with no sign of the doctor or any guards. She gasps as she's grabbed f- from behind by Carstairs. stairs. At first she's happy to see him, but then sees that he's pulling out his gun, calling her a German spy, and that it's his duty to shoot her. He starts putting pressure on the gun trigger, cliffhanger okay folks here we go last episode episode five so far so cool right as carstairs is about to shoot zoe the scientist arrives praising him for capturing the german spy but carstairs is still intent on shooting her and he actually finishes pulling the trigger but the gun just clicks no bullets They lead Zoe away as Carstairs walks off with the scientist. Meanwhile, back at the barn, von Weich is tied up. He's saying nothing while Jamie and Buckingham are sitting nearby. They're not tied up at this point, but they're not free either. Harper tells them that they'll need to wait for Russell, his captain. He then tries to question von Weich about a tunnel, explaining that they've been watching the barn for weeks and seeing how many soldiers could just keep pouring out of it. Jamie and Buckingham start explaining to Harper that the, about the machine that materializes, which, which transports the soldiers, but he doesn't believe them. Another resistance fighter comes in and says that they've got all the supplies they need. It's time to go. He wants to shoot von Weich, but Harper stops him and they fight amongst each other. And they have a serious fight. They almost kill each other, deliberately kill each other a few times. In the confusion, Jamie and Buckingham try to sneak out the back door, but Russell finally makes an appearance and stops them. He then walks in and breaks up the fight. Jamie then catches Von Weich trying to open the secret communication panel and stops him. Back in the control center, Zoe is led into a room with black and white swirly patterns all over the walls. It's pretty trippy. The security chief comes into the room intent on finding out answers from Zoe. He puts on his headpiece, which looks kind of like a cross between a visor and a surgeon's light. He starts grilling Zoe, and eventually finds out that she's from the 21st century, not one of their wartime zones. She then reveals that they arrived in the TARDIS, in the 1917 zone. He starts to show her photos of resistance members, and asks her to identify anyone who might be the doctor. Meanwhile, the doctor is slinking through another room, when he finds himself with the scientist in Carstairs, the chief scientist tells the doctor that Zoe was caught and sent for questioning. He says he's about to start deprocessing carstairs completely and asks the doctor to tie down his straps. "I think you know what's going to happen next, but the doctor pretends to do so. The deprocessing completes, and a groggy carstairs recognizes the doctor right away. As the scientist starts shouting, he and the doctor put the scientist into the machine, and the doctor turns it on. They start to leave, and Carstairs is slowly recovering his memory. He remembers Buckingham and getting captured. The doctor explains that they're in the alien war, Central, in the middle of the map. Meanwhile in the barn, Jamie and Buckingham are trying to explain to Russell about the communicator and the materialization machine. Even though they're holding him, Von Weich manages to lunge forward and hits an emergency signal on the communication device. An alarm starts going off. Back in the command station, Sideburns is talking to the interrogator, who tells him that Zoe hasn't identified the doctor in any of their photos. He assumes that they're part of a different resistance cell. The security chief doesn't mention to the war chief about the TARDIS or the fact that Zoe is from the 21st century. Sideburns seems pretty suspicious about the security chief, but they're interrupted by a dude informing them that there's an emergency call from the American Civil War zone. They all leave for the main control room. A few seconds later, the doctor and Carstairs sneak into the room and knock out the guard. The doctor revives Zoe with some smelling salts from his pocket. The doctor puts on the security chief's gadget helmet and flicks it on to go through the photos. They leave, forming a plan to use this knowledge and find the resistance members in each of the zones to band together, to really fight back against the war chief. As they're going through the control room making their way back to the hangar, they end up following some guards who leave them right to where all the pod machines are. Back in the barn, Jamie is warning them that they'll be sending people right into the middle of the barn, when suddenly the materialization sound comes on again. He gets everyone to hide. The pod finishes appearing in the middle of the barn, and three guards rush out with guns drawn. Harper runs out to face them, and he's, and he's killed instantly by one of the guards. The other men surround the guards and take them prisoner. The war chief and the security chief start to bar back and forth about the increased amount of resistance fighters in all the zones. Through this conversation, we basically get some info that the war chief is not an original part of this group of people running this huge experiment. He came on board with his knowledge of something in exchange for the position and power of war chief. The security chief tells him that if he has a problem, then he should bring it up with a warlord. The security chief leaves to go back to Zoe, only to find an empty room with the guard unconscious. Meanwhile, Jamie and Russell are trying to decide what to do now that the pod machine is just sitting there. They finally decide to use it to get back into the alien control center. Russell, Jamie and a few fighters go into the pod while Buckingham agrees to go back to the Resistance HQ to help treat casualties. As the pod dematerializes, von Weich starts smiling. Meanwhile in the control center, the security chief finally finds the scientist who's still in the the processing machine. He frees him. And after the scientist tells them about the, the car stairs and the doctor, the security chief tells them that the girl knows about space time travel. The scientist is shocked as it's their understanding that only the war chief and his people understand the principles of time travel. The security chief is questioning the loyalty of the war chief. He's not of their race, and he's betrayed his own people by coming to them. So how can they be sure that he won't betray them? Back in the control center, a guard informs the war chief that a machine is arriving, but not following protocol. Instead of informing the security chief, the war chief makes a decision and gets some guards and sends them to the landing bay. At the landing bay, the doctors Zoe and Carstairs are hiding behind some equipment when they see a bunch of guards come in. The guards take up position near the landing bay when suddenly the machine starts materializing. It finishes landing, the door opens. And Jamie, Russell, and some others come out. It's an ambush, says Zoe. They're all gunned down by the guards. Jamie drops his gun and falls to the ground. Cliffhanger! Phew, alright. So that was the War Games Part 1, the first five episodes. Let's go through some of the viewer numbers. Episode 1 had 5.5 million. Episode 2, 6.3 million. Episode 3 had 5.1 million viewers. Episode 4 had 5.7 million viewers. And Episode 5 had 5.1 million viewers. Yikes. So we can see that these viewer numbers were just okay compared to The Power of the Daleks. There's definitely a difference in the whole Doctor character thanks to Troughton and the writers over the course of his stories. Best of all, there's no more Ridiculous Hat. Without seeing the remaining five episodes in this story... It is hard at this point to tell if, these, if the middle episodes of this 10-part story are dragging on or not. It feels like the action and the dialogue scenes are well paced, but we'll have to see after we watch the next five. The main characters we're trying to follow are pretty strongly written, with enough splashes of supporting characters to give you a sense of just how large this operation is. Right away, we're getting the picture that all is not so well at the top of this war organization. The war chief is from a different race of people and has the secret of space time travel. The warlord, who we haven't seen yet, is the main boss of this entire operation. The security chief, the scientists, General Smythe and Von Weich are all part of the same race behind this. But what is the ultimate goal of this entire operation? What purpose does it serve to just keep bringing humans into each war zone to be mostly killed off? There doesn't seem to be any kind of reward or graduation program within each war zone, which could explain an overall purpose, such as putting together an army of powerful battle-tested soldiers. But here, soldiers could just keep filling the zones, and the battles just keep going on with no real end. I haven't seen all of the Patrick Troughton stories, but this one felt so far like a pretty good mix of action and plot development. Jamie is a very physical character and shows off in almost every scene. I'll give a rating for the entire series in our next podcast episode, but so far I'm giving this one 4 TARDISes out of 5. I think the story is moving along at a reasonable pace, the characters are strong, the Doctor and Jamie are given a lot to do, but I wish Zoe had a lot more involvement. I think the questions that are outstanding are pretty good ones to take us into the next 5 episodes. But one thing that they didn't really mention at all was who was the sniper that rescued the doctor at the end of episode one. They really don't go into it. Is it at first I thought it was Lady Buckingham. Everyone just spreads off in a different direction. And then the story just kind of moves along. I do wish Zoe had a lot more involvement, though. The voiceover, again, from the war chief when he first hears about the doctor and the two others, is really fascinating. I think that this is the only voiceover of a character in the entire series. So there we have it. There's the War Games Part 1. Thank you so much for staying with me this whole time. Thank you for giving up part of your day to listen to this. If you haven't sent me anything yet, please send your feedback to mailbag at summonsfromgallifrey.com. I'll be sure to go through it. Let me know what you thought of the first five episodes of the War Games. Next time, we'll go through the next five. Have a good day, everyone. Peace.